Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench, everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Holiday edition, regular season ending edition of the pregame postgame podcast. And uh, who would have thought when we were doing the uh, post Halloween heading yeah. into November one, that'd be the last time we talked about a win. No kidding. I mean, <laughs> it was November 4th. It was the last time the Panthers won a football game. So seven losses in a row, Mike, as we head into this last game against New Orleans, which has a feeling of an August game of all things. As it'll be Kyle Allen, it'll be Garrett Gilbert at quarterback, the two quarterbacks for the Panthers. Brian St. Pierre, I think. is Brian St. Pierre, Randy Fasani, available <laughs> in the emergency third quarterback situation. We expect to see a lot of Teddy Bridgewater. And yeah. I don't know, does he have a backup? He must have somebody backing him he up for this game. Somebody, yeah. They're talking like they're going to play their starters. If they do, the Saints, it's got to be for like a series, like well, a preseason game. Just to a, them. Right. You know Sean Payton wants to win this game, though. Just to rub it. He wants to show that he could win with backup players. Sure, yeah. sure, absolutely. And, and there is that... Uh, you know, divisional component to this game. I mean, I think it's kind of evolved where, you know, Tampa Bay maybe 10, 12 years ago was really like the Panthers rival. I mean, that was, you know, with Warren Sapp and right, right. Uh, Chris Jenkins. Like, you know, and then lately it's really been more the Falcons and the Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all depends on who's up and who's down. So, this, yeah, this Deshaun, Sean Payton, you know, I don't know. He seems to be that kind of guy that would have a little bit of a axe to grind. Yeah, even though him and Ron are friends, it sounds right. like, but it's a very – kind of contentious kind of right. competitive like like brothers yeah. <laughs> you can see them like wrestling like bob barker and adam sandler going down the hill hey, it's great to see i've been four games straight games <laughs> <laughs> and who wants that hanging over yeah. them so here we are unfortunately we're not gonna spend a lot of time rehashing what happened uh in a otherwise uh forgetful game do feel bad for taylor heineke though finally gets that opportunity <laughs> to be a starting quarterback and his second quarter, he destroys his elbow. I really was thinking about, all kidding aside, about Brian St. Pierre in that game. Yeah. Because remember Brian St. Pierre? I mean, it was, you know, he had been waiting forever. I mean, a little bit more of a different story. Longest touchdown pass in Panthers yeah. history. Yeah. Hit but, Brandon LaFell. But he'd, he'd played like seven, eight years in the NFL without really ever playing. Mm-hmm. And then this was his, his you know, kind of shot to uh, to shine, and he kind of left it out on the field, literally left it out on the field because yeah. that was the last time he'd to show you how hard this game is, though, in terms of just the physicality of it, because to his credit, I mean, Heineke took a beating and, and ma- made back. it through the yeah, game, no played doubt. all four quarters, so you left for a period of time. But, I mean, there's just something about the way he gets hit versus Cam or some guys have been around the league where it's like even smaller players who've been around the pro game for a while know how to fall, know mm-hmm. how to avoid yeah. it. Not every time. Right. But I feel like every time he got hit, he was bent in awkward and uncomfortable yeah. looking oh, yeah. ways. <laughs> Yeah. Like I, I wanted him to come out. I was like watching your kid play. Like, let's get, let's get a little Timmy out of there. 
I don't like my walking your dog and there's a big dog. Right. I, just, I just felt bad for him. Like it was like the bre- when he came back in, he took like six, seven, right, as releasing the ball, yeah. getting chopped in half, kind of. Throws. Well, then he came back with like the bionic brace on the left arm. <laughs> I mean, it was like it was like that. that it's like they thing. made stuff up. It was like uh, <laughs> those NASCAR races where the cars come back and they're barely recognizable. There was so much duct tape and brace on him. It was hard. To, he couldn't even bend his arm. Know, I'm sure because I of know. the brace. Yeah, I know. And yeah. so he come off the field running with one arm dangling. Like remember the old rock 'em sock 'em robots? Yeah. Like one of the arms would always break, <laughs> and that guy couldn't. <laughs> I feel bad for him. Oh God, yeah, that was. That was Did you ever see those Scott Sterling videos a couple of years ago on YouTube? It's a soccer goalie guy. Okay, I think they're actually done like up in Chapel Hill. But the joke was they kept putting out Scott Sterling out there. They're doing this announcing in this British voice, like, Scott Sterling and goal and all this. And he would just take whack after whack. Oh, the ball gosh, would hit him yeah. in the goal or like hit him in the face. There'd be like teeth flying out of his head, yeah, just yeah. groin shots. Right, right, of course. And, and his teammates would come to like stand him back in front of the goal. Oh, Scott Sterling just k- keeps on plowing through. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Well, it's like the Monty Python <laughs> skit. You know? It was. It was like a Monty Python kind of skit. And they just like, you'll bring him out just uh, like on a stretcher and just block the goal Jeez. with him laying on a stretcher. Yeah. And I kind of felt like that's where Heineke was going. But Kyle Allen did come in, looked decent in his four throws, made all four of them. Um, well, people don't know maybe about Kyle Allen. He was, he was actually the number one rated high school quarterback coming out of Scottsdale, Arizona yeah. in the ESPN rankings. Went to Texas A&M where somebody named Johnny Manziel, right. who's now become a punchline, was winning the Heisman right. Trophy. So he transfers to Houston. To Houston, yeah. And then ends up not getting a ton of playing time at Houston either. So he's like, screw it. I'm just out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out. pro undrafted. And here he is. And even a guy like uh, Garrett Gilbert, you know, his dad played in the league for a long time and was a uh, not only a teammate, but a roommate of Eugene right. Robinson yeah. with the Seahawks. That's right. Uh, but Gilbert, uh, to me, there wasn't much difference between him and Heineke you no, know, in the preseason. Yeah, so I was... think that they'll be fine as far as getting through this last game. I don't know why, when I think of him, I think of who's Gilbert Crape. Because there's something about that name. Is like yeah. how many Gilberts are yeah, there? Right, uh, Melissa Gilbert. Sean Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> we have Little House, House on the, on the Prairie. Prairie and Worst Trade in Panther History. Alex. For a thousand. Who are three people that have never been in my kitchen? <laughs> the old Cliff Clavin. Yeah, you could have dinner with three people. Who would you pick? Melissa Gilbert, Sean Gilbert, and Gilbert Grape. Get off the water tower. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, yeah, not kind of like we're just kind of limping to the finish line here. And then the offensive line, too. Trey Turner's out. Yeah. When you're getting down to uh, Marshall Newhouse is Marshall not Newhouse, available. yeah. Well, it sounds like a cabinet uh, secretary. <laughs> Panthers need help, man, for next year. Offensive line, safety, edge rusher. Yeah. Got to have another linebacker. Um, and then to me, it's like the big question mark is how do you handle this without overreaching? I'm sure they won't. Is identifying a young quarterback really through the draft or a young veteran who is not just a backup, but that could be a starter. I mean, we don't know what Cam's going to be like physically next year. And even so, isn't it maybe just time to maybe groom somebody that could be more of a starter and less of just an emergency fill-in at that position? Well, and this was really the the case of where Derek Anderson not being a fit anymore. You know, the first couple years of Derek Anderson, you felt comfortable with him being a backup. Right, he'd been a starter in the league. And, you know, know, now you got the, the younger guys in there. And, you know, we didn't really get a good sense of what Taylor Heineke is all about he just didn't play long enough and and same same I mean we'll get a good look at Kyle Allen I mean hopefully he's not running for his life and yeah yeah doesn't get (laughs) get clobbered back there but I think that also shows just how much uh Cam's athletic ability sometimes can hide deficiencies on an offensive line you know because I mean how many times have we seen him take you know, a 10-yard sack and turn it into a 15- or 20-yard yeah, game. A guy that's his size, which is huge, 6'5". Yeah. And he's hard to bring down. and Yeah, they have completely wrapped up, but he's just brute strength. He can yeah. wrestle out of it, and he's agile enough. But those other guys are 
getting Jimmy Clausen to back there. Which is like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Animal Planet. Like, oh no, they got the antelope again. Ah. It's like throwing raw meat in the shark tank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, for those defensive linemen. So, um, but it, I mean, this is kind of unprecedented this this year in, in Panthers history. This is a twenty. Mike has done year. research, I've, by the I've way, folks. Research. This is not off the top of his head. This is like nope. he's put time into the podcast. And it's Ariel Ten font. I didn't do anything. Crazy. Very nice. Yeah, I didn't Very do nice. any crazy characters. But the really lines are all straight. I mean, lines are all straight. Um, you know, look at. The, you didn't go Comic Sans. No, I didn't do Comic Sans. Um, I, I didn't have time. I, I thought of it literally ten minutes before you got here, so I had to just kind of put it together. I didn't have time. So, so I gave you too much credit for the preparation time. Yeah, no, you, yeah, no, it really wasn't. But what is interesting though, with the last two seat, the last two coaches, with you know, I mean, the bulk of the Panthers' success obviously has come with John Fox and and Ron Rivera. Um, the first two coaches, Capers and Seifert, uh, forty six and sixty six, and now you have uh, one forty three, one twenty seven, and one in the uh, John Fox and. Uh, Ron Rivera era, but the you know I mean this doesn't happen often where you start off six and two and the back half of the year is right now where we're sitting at zero. I want to say maybe you saw this too. There's only been three teams in the history of the league that started six and two and finished seven and nine. Yeah, and nobody's I don't I don't believe has ever gone six and two to six and ten. Yeah. So if they don't win, I think this would be like unprecedented. Uh, it'd be uncharted. Yeah. Unprecedented in the wrong. Although way. I say it from a franchise that went one and fifteen, that was one and zero. And then went right, and, and then they went. So you yeah, don't, see, you don't see that straight. every day. Either. No, you don't see that every day. And then the other time, um, what was one and seven was uh, in 2010, mm-hmm. and that was they started the year one and seven. So that wasn't that was John. That Fox's was the year we lost year. all of our running backs. I remember that year. Yeah. They said every like Nick Goings came Nick out Goings. at the end of the year. Yeah, he wasn't was, Goings anywhere. No, he was. That was no, what I mean was at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. he had actually had was having he had like a good year. He a couple hundred yard games in a row, and it was just yeah, we lost D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart and just everybody that was in between. So. Yeah. But this, but this, this, if they end up seven and nine or six and ten, it, it's you know you might look back five years from you know five years from now you're looking back and you think oh wow that was, I remember that year, but this team literally at six and two was a playoff and maybe even a Super Bowl contender, maybe not. That's how we were Super talking, yeah. And then, um, and then you know the Pittsburgh game, it, it's almost I, I think the Pittsburgh game is going to be the narrative of when things went south because that was just such a bad beatdown. But then you had uh, those five straight losses where. You, you you have any kind of success in the two minute drill, and you give yourself a chance either to win the game or tie the game and go to overtime. And you know, and of course, it was the game where Ron went for two, which I think which was top, the next game that was the yeah, Detroit game was Detroit the next game, game and after I think, Pittsburgh. And I don't think most people had a problem with with that call. I mean, I you know, I didn't. In fact, uh, it was just the Chargers with Coach Lynn did that a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago, and they won that game. And yeah. nobody complained about him going for it. <laughs> they complained if you don't make it, if you do it, it's brilliant. But I think that's but but the, the interesting thing, and I think it's an unfair sometimes to, to coaches is there's so many different things that go into every single play to make it successful or not. And so it may be the best play call in the world, but if, you know, a guy goes, I mean, how many times do we see just this past weekend, Panthers get in the red zone and then there's a offsides or a false start right. or, you know, right. so, you know, penalties and mistakes and, they may be the best play call in the world, but if the execution isn't there, yep. and then wrong, I'll say, well, that wasn't pass a- route, dropped pass, whatever. Yeah. In the case of the, Lions won. Cam made the right read, and he missed Jarius Wright in the end zone. Just missed the yeah. throw. Yeah. Well, yeah. I will say that Jarius Wright, um, you know, he did have that fumble early in the year, but he uh, down the stretch, I think he's been one of the most dependable. He's Ricky Pro like, isn't he? Yeah. Third down reliable. Third down reliable. I like him, and I think he's averaging for the season like ten yards. I love uh, him just a as a slot receiver. Yeah. Just I just leave him right in there. I just guys like that are invaluable to have to just move the chains on third and six, things yeah. like that. He's been a bright spot. I think Ian Thomas has been interesting at times mm-hmm. in, in filling He's in. catching everything. Yeah. 
I mean, truly, he's been good. And obviously, DJ Moore's gotten better and better as the year went on. Samuel, so they, you know, they have some great weapons. It's funny they keep talking now about now that CJ Anderson's run for 167 yards for the Rams. Like, well, we're going to try to take some carries away from McCaffrey. Well, you had the guy, had the- <laughs> <laughs> and so the good news is. I mean, he was a thousand-yard rusher for Denver mm-hmm. and was readily yeah. available. So I don't think it'll be hard to find a veteran, younger running back who's been in the league five years that could fill that role because you don't truly want someone honestly probably going to carry it more than five or seven times anyway. Right? Maybe catch a pass or two. That's all you're right. looking for. And that, yeah, I mean, I would say the big the, the the three needs on offense. You know, obviously offense. You can always use offensive line help. There's just that's just probably a, two. Yeah, two but, starters. But yeah. yeah, so you need some help on the offensive line. Um, solidify the backup quarterback situation like you should either get a veteran mm-hmm. or um you know and, and you know sometimes the answer is on the roster um and then you know that that uh you know that backup running back that could kind of help lessen the load you know then but on defenses and it also depends too like we don't know uh we assume that julius peppers is done and even mm-hmm. if he's not done they still need defensive line like another i would I'd be shocked Another if one julius or two, is yeah back. I'd be i stunned. mean he was really supposed to come back for one year so the fact that he played right. a second year was right. kind of amazing yeah, and then um, obviously Thomas Davis, um, you know, Shaq Thompson, you would assume would kind of step into into that role. And you can always, again, I think secondary too is you can always use, uh, you know, Mike Adams. He's getting kind of long in the tooth. I think, you know, safety that they have talked about, at least reports anyway, that maybe Eric, that Reed, Eric Reed is still, still bring back. I thought, right. I thought he was okay. I mean, honestly, what could you expect from a guy that was sitting at home when the season began no with kidding, no training right, camp? Right. So him. Uh, but but if he you, does sign the contract, I would expect him to be drug tested immediately. Yes, Both. probably during the during, <laughs> during the, the signing, signing yeah. actual signing, like between Eric and Reed, they'll pull him out of the room. <laughs> the league will to yeah. have him sign uh, to, to sign something else, do something else, and probably honestly nickel. You know, yeah. probably nickel in a yeah. safety spot. But I love the two young corners. I mean, Bradbury yeah, and Dante no, Jackson. That's yep. tough to find. So that's a great combination. That is a good combination. But so, you need another edge rusher to go opposite Mario, as you said. Right. Is huge. And for whatever reason, what happened to our defensive tackles this year? Yeah. To to me, it's like. When Kyle Love just goes right past KK Short yeah. and Dontaria Poe and number one pick Vernon Butler as the guy who's what the most reliable, it's like what a letdown. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened this year at that position. That's always been like the one thing you can count on is that this rotation of defensive tackles were just kind of the backbone of the defense. It well, didn't happen. Yeah, and when you and I were sitting on a park bench outside BBT Ballpark yeah, I remember? in August, I mean one of the strengths we talked about fighting was- that old lady for that seat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're doing hey. a show here. <laughs> This put, is a pregame postgame podcast. What put that think? cigarette down and get out of here. <laughs> but that was, you know, the defensive line was was supposed to be one of the strengths of this team, and it it um, you know kind of got I don't know midway through. It just mm-hmm. seemed like it fell apart a little bit. Is it just me, or are you like shocked every time Kenyon Barner catches the ball cleanly on a punt? <laughs> I feel like it's like the Brenton Burson days. Brenton Burson, it's yeah. like every time the ball being there, oh, uh, just fair catch it, <laughs> just fair catch it. <laughs> and it's like, and he has the one time he has like a really good run, the punter lights him up. Oh my god! Just yeah, stands just... over him and taunts him. Yeah, Fosher, that was Fosher, ridiculous. Yeah. I haven't seen a hit like that from a punter, and I think it was on a kickoff. He was yeah. kicking off on, uh, but the punter was a kickoff. Todd, guy. So didn't Todd Sauerbrunn have a big? Yeah, like one. I mean, yeah. he wore this barbed wire tattoo on his arm, but yeah, he was yeah, mostly yeah. fat. Yeah. <laughs> He acted like the Pillsbury, only. And by the way, Pillsbury true Doe story. Boy. I think the only punter in league history to be banned for steroid use. Yeah, that's right. And he didn't realize you had to lift weights as part of the being effective. That you can't just take them and eat donuts. Like you can't just take steroids and get muscles. Well, you no, still have to work out. He, he took it not for the strength, but for the recovery time. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Never seen a punter like that. And then we had the one game where John Casey got hurt, and he ended up having to come in and kick some oh, extra yeah, points. Yeah, and he yeah. wanted to be paid more, and he wasn't kidding. Oh, jeez. Yeah. For doing not his yeah. job. 
Like he couldn't just even let like that one good moment go by where he actually did something above and beyond that was kind of cool. He wanted to be paid extra. <laughs> well, now I can kick field goals, so I'd like to get paid extra. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Unreal. So here's here's the state of the team right now. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, flux. It always happens when you don't have the kind of season you wanted. And unfortunately, for the second year in a row, we know our season will end in New Orleans because it yeah. ended there with the wild card, with the wild card last, last year. year. Do you have a go-to place in New Orleans that you guys go to? Not really. I'll be honest. Not my favorite city. One, I've been there now, counting when I did the Charlotte 49ers. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've been there probably 100 times. I've been there truly like 26 times. Yeah. So I'm good. Or 100, yeah. Yeah. No, it feels like 100. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, But you can spend like 24 hours in New Orleans and feel like you've been there a week. Yes. Not the cleanest city. Yeah. Things you can't unsee. Um, So it's just all right. I mean, to me, it's like going to Atlanta or going to Tampa is not that same trip i right. mean it's just it's just it's just a, a city and, and things to do new orleans is a whole crazy different well, it's thing a, just a, it's like a just a 24 7 party yeah in in Most, different ways like in different all different types like not just like it's not like a frat party i mean it's like you can see a frat party you can see whatever kind of things you're into parties I mean, yeah or not into you may have just like happen in front of you and you just have to like look their way or walk <laughs> and you see people like pushing baby strollers and stuff like families yeah. and stuff it's, like, it's crazy but um Mostly, I want to see the college football semifinals. So, just a yeah. comfortable place to go watch games in front of a TV is is perfect. We're a pretty low key group, as you can imagine. I mean, look who our group is. It's Mick, yeah. <laughs> Eugene, Harold, Dave Langton, yeah. anyone who knows us, Kevin Donnelly. It's like we're like the last, like, least likely group to get into <laughs> any kind of trouble. So, I'm looking forward to that, just watching some college football. But the food is always good. Like, you can't yeah, survive. Yeah in the French Quarter with bad food. Right. So wherever wherever we – we've eaten lots of different places. It'll be good, whatever you we get. you stay downtown usually? Or? We stay on the edge of it. So we're not like right in it, but yeah. we're off the edge of it by, by a block or two. And sometimes we've stayed out in Metairie, which is nowhere near anything. Oh, yeah, that's all the airport. airport. Yeah. We, the, I've been there a couple times for uh, – I was there for a like an NAB show, and then I was there for uh, winter meetings and uh, went there with Winthrop um, the last time I was there. And we stayed down by <clears> – <throat> Kind of by where the World War II Museum is. Mm-hmm. We stayed down there last time. And for the winter meetings, we stayed at the convention center. So it's just an easy walk to exactly uh, where we're to, to Bourbon Street. And then the, the Superdome is literally right across the street from that. So And just think, in another two years, Las Vegas will be in the league. So that'll be yeah. the destination for not very often for us, I would think, every eight years. Right, it'll be in that rotation of the AFC, right. uh, AFC West. West. Well, next year it'll be interesting, right? Because I think San Francisco is one of the road games, potentially. It is one of the ones. It's Although it's Ari- San Jose. It's-, it's Arizona, and yeah, we stay in San Jose to play in Santa Clara, where the where the Niners play. So those are the two West Coast road trips. And uh, so I guess that means who's coming here then out of that division. I shouldn't do this without So the knowing. Rams would probably. It's actually in my phone. If you could fill for like 10 seconds. I actually have well, our I schedule didn't, except for the two. I, if David Langton is listening, I apologize. I didn't bring the Manila folder home that has like every piece of information. All the promos. I have it now. It didn't take me long. So this team will be going to, in addition to the NFC South, Arizona, San Fran, Indy, Houston, and then the matching finisher in the NFC North. And then for the home games, three division games coming here are Seattle, Again, yep. L.A. Rams come here, mm. Jacksonville, Tennessee, and the NFC East matching whether we're second right. or third place. And we probably – it's an outside chance of the London game, right? I think at, as it stands now, because of who's a home team, it would only be the Tampa Bay game because it's like the, it's L.A. It's the two L.A. teams, yep. and we don't play them on the road. Right. So they're home games. And then it's Tampa Bay and uh, Jacksonville. Yeah. So – 
and there's one more. I'm forgetting because there's five because there's Mexico. There's four in London and one in Mexico, and they have not been assigned is what they are. But of the five, whatever that fifth one was, besides the two Florida, two LA, I want to say maybe maybe San Fran's the yeah. other one, is that um, we don't have one chance because we're not hosting one. Yeah. We'd have I'm, to go I'm, as a I'm going to start lobbying right now. If that game does end up going to London, I'd, I'd love to do that. I'd, I've do never you, been. I've always, I've always do wanted to go. You bring Brett Wendell, Byron, David Eads, whose nickname is David Eads. Uh, do you bring them all? <laughs> <laughs> do you bring them all? I think you, the well, whole you post know, game show. You know what the funny thing is? What this, if you guys missed a flight on the way out? Like you're doing the post game show and we leave, and you guys are stuck in London. Right, stuck in London doing the show. We'll do Panther talk from London. <laughs> no, this is the only way I would go to London. I mean, Sandra and I have traveled. In fact, next year we're going to Germany and Greece and oh, wow, uh, yeah. uh, Israel, the Holy Lands. But right. well, she has, you know, you have family in Greece, right? I or, well, I do actually. I don't know them, but I have yeah. relatives that live on one of the islands off there uh, from. Hey, it's your cousin Jim. Jim, Jim Zoki. <laughs> Who? Hello. Upa. <laughs> I brought some baklava. <laughs> Yiro. I, I know so much of my own culture. But Zoki's actually Hungarian, but I'm Greek on my mom's side. And my grandfather on that side came from Greece in 1920. And apparently his father is like a ship captain and stuff oh, like wow. this, which explains why I'm so drawn to my pontoon boat on Lake Wiley <laughs> that I own. It's in my blood. Now, do you wear like the black Greek captain's hat? Oh, I wish I had one. I don't yeah, have the, a you hat. Know, the bridge? You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I need I like that. I'd probably go down with the pontoon, though, if I had yeah. one. Probably like, be an Exxon Valdez situation. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that guy didn't go down with his ship, though. Everyone else uh, was left to fend for themselves when he was out on the safety boat. But, yeah. um, hey, Judge, you scratched my anchor. But my point in the beginning of that statement three minutes ago was that, uh, that would be we, the would 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 to, to, yeah, we would never go to – yeah, we wouldn't go to London. Honestly, we wouldn't go to Mexico either for that. I would go on a business trip like that. Sure. That would be cool. Absolutely. Jump on the plane and mm-hmm. you're only there. In five Nothing against London. It's just there's a lot of places we'd like to go. Oh, sure, and that's sure, down sure. the list. Sure. Uh, but, I mean, well, but I think there's other spots, too, uh, more warm weather – uh, beachy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't think London. You're not thinking, you know, beach and yeah. Although I mean, the weather's not terrible, but generally they play those games in o- September, October, right, mm-hmm. or more October. Mm-hmm. So usually the weather's not terrible. I feel like Mac Brown and his wife when he came back to Chapel Hill and, and his uh, and Mac said his wife had said that she would go to three places to live, and it was Hawaii, the Bahamas, and Chapel Hill. Yeah. So. Like I want to go to like yeah those those two spots in Charlotte, <laughs> and you know you don't hear those three in the same sentence very often. Not very often you put those yeah. three together, but anyways we'll see what happens. Well so good luck should, uh, good luck in New Orleans. It should be good. It'll be. Um, Are you gonna go to Emeralds? You gotta go to Emeralds place. I've been to Emeralds place before. Yeah. He's got a couple different places. I think is um, I think there's actually a place called Nola's. Mm. That's just one of his too. So we've been to a couple of the Emerald restaurants. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with Emerald. No, he's Can't. a good New England guy. New That's Bedford, right. Mass. That's right. Yeah. It's one of your people. It's one of my people. So we're going to continue doing this podcast through the Super yeah. Bowl, and then we'll uh, then we'll decide as things happen to yeah, uh, we'll through do, the offseason when, yeah, we'll do when it applies. Couple, yeah, when, when something big happens, free agent we'll... signings, draft. Yeah, football is basically twelve months out of we the year. We can do the Wells Fargo from here. <laughs> <laughs> I will be at the Wells Fargo, but the problem with that is it's now in preseason, right? Is it? Uh, no, it's in May. That's right. They no, said the, the, the PGA yeah, the PGA was just the, right, the one. Um, I should know since I was there, but yeah, it was it was in May. I forget now. That was two years ago, the PGA. A year fun. and a half ago. Yeah. So it was fun. All right, buddy. We'll have a good New Year's. Yeah. So we'll uh we'll catch you about ten o'clock on Sunday. That's right. I right? should promote the show, the pregame post game post game podcast. So ten o'clock on the pregame and then you and Brett and post game. I know he doesn't there. have APRN responsibilities this time of year with No, the there's no show. uh no NASCAR races to uh prevent him from this. So we'll we'll do our best to talk about this game. <laughs> 
wrap up the season. Wrap up the all season. the usual suspects will be dropping by. Yeah, well, uh, and I, I will say this um, because I've been I've been with the team since 2001, and minus the what three three years four years that Marty wasn't there, uh, Marty has come on uh, win lose draw you know, rain or shine, and um, I, I just think it's important to acknowledge that. Um, you know, he always, you know, we always know him to be a stand up guy mm-hmm. and he continues to be that. So. And for me too, uh, you know, I record them obviously during the week, but he's on every pregame show with me and he's a lot of times traveling on the road and he will call me and say, I'm leaving at three yeah. o'clock. Can you come yeah. by sometime before yeah. three o'clock on Tuesday? If he's not going to be at the practice field and he's calling me to let me know he's not going to be here right. uh, to do it in advance. So he's, uh, I, I agree as far as being part of the pregame postgame podcast and the actual shows that we do that are named after that. I mean, to have a general manager, that's that involved with our broadcast, and I, as I tell them, I go, "What a great thing for the fans to get to hear from the general manager." Absolutely. You don't, we yeah. didn't have that access with, no. with other GMs, right? So, no, yeah. and it's uh, so we'll have uh, exclusive highlights, interviews, and Marty Herney on the post game show. I'll brought to you by our sponsors. Yeah. You know more CPI Security Post Game Show. <laughs> I didn't want to get the wrong one. <laughs> All right, Mike. Have a good New Year's. Right. We'll catch up again next week. You too, Zoe. Monday. It's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench, everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.